If I could get just a couple of people, a few people, whatever, these lovely ladies right here in the front would be great help. Elena, if you would help me too, that would be wonderful. What I have here, here's the problem. I told my wife, I said, here's the problem. I've got so much to say. I've got so much scripture. I'd like have nothing to say of my own words. And I said, that bothers me. But really, should it bother me? Isn't the word of God sufficient? So I copied the entire Bible for everyone. <laughs> Actually, I, I have so many scripture references, four pages long, so um, I just, I'm going to hand them out to you. Now, I hope I have enough. There was a few more people here in the first service than I expected, um, but if couples maybe could share or whatever, or if you look around and you see you got one and your neighbor has one and you see somebody that doesn't have one, if you guys could share and pass them around, whatever, that would be great. Ladies, if you could... Just begin to pass those out. Oh, I just ripped one. That's the one Alyssa messed up anyway. That's the one that I was actually going to tell somebody. If you get the one that's stapled diagonally and you can't read the words underneath, that was Alyssa's fault. I'll give you that one, Michelle. You love teenagers. Michelle loves teenagers. So uh, she's got, she's got uh, one and almost two in her house. Uh, so, so she, she can take that and not kill my daughter for it. So, which by the way, my daughter in, in April are in Minnesota or on their way to Minnesota currently. And the fact that I made it to church on time and I'm being responsible is a plus folks. Um, there were people that used to wonder in my life if I was ever going to be very responsible. And I praise God that he brought April into my life to help me. And, uh, she does, she does. And, and she left conveniently at five o'clock this morning, the same time I get up on Sunday. So I was up. All I had to do was just make it here, right? So, and remember that I had to preach when I got here. So I'm, I'm going to be all right. Uh, but if anybody wants to feed me through the week, you know, feel free to call me because uh, I will starve to death. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'll be just fine. If you can't tell, I can eat pretty well. This morning, um, thank you, ladies, for helping me pass those out. I really appreciate that. And folks, these are some of our finest in the church. We we love these girls and. And uh, our youth students are precious to us and be praying for them, obviously, through a time of transition here. We've got some plans and, and uh, going to minister to them and help them, encourage them through that. They're very precious kids, young people, and, and uh, we'll just keep, keep upholding them in your prayers if you would. Um, but I appreciate their help this morning. Um, I, I'm going to start today by just telling you I'm taking off my preaching hat and I'm putting on my teacher hat today. Is that okay? Can I be a teacher? Can I just talk to you like this? Just walk around and we're just going to hang out. We're going to look at scripture and talk about some cool things. Um, I want to start this series about the Holy Spirit. Um, just the very words, Holy Spirit, depending on what circles that you're in, what denomination that you're in, there's going to be a lot of questions. Uh, some people will automatically think of snake handlers. Is there anybody that didn't get one that needs one? There are extras if somebody's sharing that would like to have a personal one. You can pick it up afterward, I guess, but... But in some circles, when you say Holy Spirit, they think snake handlers. You know what I'm saying? I had a guy tell me here a while back, and he was talking on the subject. He said, you know, he said, there were, uh, up to last year there were 22, but this last year there's only 21 snake handlers left in America. <laughs> he says it's a true number. I don't know how he knows that, but he says it's true. But the problem is, is that the minority makes such a big deal that, that, that when somebody hears the term Pentecostal or Spirit-filled church or Holy Spirit, the automatic assumption is is that people are on the floor barking like dogs 
you know, people that swinging from the chandeliers and, and uh, doing, doing funny things. You know, that's, that's the assumption of us. People from the outside, that's what they think we're doing. I, I watch into the other ministers' eyes that I know that are of other denominations that think that that's what we're like. And as we talk about things and they talk about the Spirit of God or God moving on something, they always look at me like, <laughs> oh no, we may have just unlocked, you know, Pandora's box. Something bad's coming out, I know. And I always tell them, I say, hey, I'm Pentecostal, I'm crazy. You really want to ask me that question? <laughs> it's true. But that's the assumption, you know, if you're, in, if you're in a Pentecostal circle, somebody says, Holy Spirit, some people go, oh, amen, amen. And others go, oh my. Oh my goodness, I got in the wrong church today, I'm leaving. So the Holy Spirit can, has a tendency to be uh, divisive to people because they don't understand who He is. Now, if, if, if I say Holy Spirit, we're going we're gonna to deal with over the next several weeks several misconceptions, okay? Several, several poor doctrine things that are taught. And you know what? Yes, even by the assemblies of God. <gasps> we're not perfect, folks. Do you know that as we were established that there was a lot of growing and learning and there were some mistakes made along the way? It's hard to believe, isn't it? I'm not going to go against our 16 fundamental truths. I know what 16 fundamental truths say. Number seven is that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number eight is, is that we believe in the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? Speaking in tongues. So that when people talk about speaking in tongues or talk about the Holy Spirit, the first thought that most people have, especially those connected with the assemblies of God, is speaking in tongues. But let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit cannot be minimized, stuck into a box, and only thought of as tongues. He is not a prayer language or any other phrase that we use for Him. He is not tongues. He is not uh, anything else that's connected with that. He is not fire alone. He is the third person in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I believe that tongues is the initial and confirming sign to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh. I do believe that. And we're going to cover that in weeks to come, but you know what? We're a long ways away from that. So strap your seatbelts, all right? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. Now, you will not find the word Trinity or triune God anywhere in Scripture, but you see Him all through the Scripture. Okay? He, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We see it everywhere, all over. He is, he is one. He is undivisible. He is united, truly united, three individuals working together fully. And you say, Pastor, I don't fully get that. Listen, I'm going to do the impossible today. I'm going to explain it. And you still won't get it. Congratulations. <laughs> but He is. He is. Just as He says I am, He is. Amen? Three in one. While the words are not there, it says this in Matthew 28, 19, which we're not even to your scriptures yet. I got several to share before we get to those. And everybody said, oh, Lord Jesus, we're going to be here till four o'clock. We'll be all right. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus even refers to himself in this trinity, naming out specifically the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is this significant? It's significant because all three work together for salvation. Going and making disciples, baptizing them in those names. And you say, why is that significant? Well, we have the Father. The Father initiates. The Son is the one that carried it out and paid the price of the sacrifice for our sin. And the Holy Spirit is the one that does the transformation that Jesus made the avenue to take place. 
They all work together as one together. God initiates it. Jesus carried it out and the Spirit transforms. We even see the evidence of their oneness in Scripture in a few different places. I'm going to hit these quickly and then we're going to move on. But Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, the Spirit of God is not something that just came about on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has always been. He's got the same characteristics of God the Father. He is one and the same. Even though he's, he's separate, he's one of the three in the Trinity. He's got the same characteristics. Now we look and we see that God is there at creation and the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. Those two, and some people say, well, gee, Pastor Bob, Jesus isn't there. Jesus, this was before Jesus. No, nothing was before Jesus. Jesus, this was before Jesus' incarnation into human flesh, but Jesus was there. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And what I see here is that there's the three working together. We have God the Father who's initiating the vision, the plan, the desire for uh, the creation, the plan of life, all of it. Jesus, the Word, speaks it, and the Holy Spirit hovering, boom, puts it into action. That's, that's the three working together. Pastor, I just don't think they're separate. I don't think there's three in one. Okay, all right. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. Verse 16. And as soon as he was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, if they were all the same person, how in the world can that happen? Jesus is there in the flesh, literally, Stuck in the flesh for 30-some years. There in the flesh, he comes up out of the water. The Spirit visibly, folks, visibly descends upon him. John the Baptist saw the Spirit descend. The voice of God, the Father, audible, hearing with regular ears in that setting, declaring over his Son, declares over him another time in Scripture, but declaring in this time, too, we see all three operating separately together as one. A very powerful moment. You see, this, this God we serve is a triune God. There are three parts to it. And our God even spoke of Himself in plural. When He was in the book of Genesis, He says, Come, let us make man in our own image. Us. We. Us. Make man in our image. And so did you know that God even made us triune? Right now, people are freaking out, saying there's like two more of me out there somewhere. <laughs> what happened? And why aren't we one? You are. He made us mind, body, and spirit. Made us mind, body, and spirit. Made us in him, his, his image. We can't fully comprehend or fathom the Trinity and how it operates. I could, folks, I could stand up here and I could do with you what I did with the Rangers, the little guys when they're little, and say, well, the Trinity is kind of like the sun, and you look at the sun, even though you can't see the sun, it's the source of the light. And the light is kind of like Jesus. We see it, you know, it warms us, and we understand what it is, uh, but, but we can't really see the sun, but we know the sun's there because of the light that comes. And, and, and the ultraviolet light, the part that we don't really see is what goes into the plants and helps the plants grow. That's the Holy Spirit. We don't see Him, but He's the one that transforms and brings life. Listen, that's a pretty elementary thing that I used to do with the kids, but ultimately, at some point, you've got to move away from opinions and get to the Scripture. Amen? So what we're going to do is, is we're going to look through this and try to figure out, and, and as we do, my purpose of this is, this, you know, the passage of Scripture says the Lord our God is one. And my, my whole purpose of this is to shed uh, light on the truth about the Holy Spirit. 
There, there are so many people that are confused and afraid and, and concerned about who this Holy Spirit is that we're talking about. When you use the term spirit, they start thinking about what they've watched in a horror flick last Halloween. When the girl arches her head back and spits pea soup and scars show on her face that wasn't there before and she screams and runs through the house and with her head backwards. No wonder people are afraid when you say the Holy Spirit. But He's holy. And this is why. We're going to cover it. Uh, I need to move on. So how does the triune God operate? First of all, the Father is the head. Okay? Just, just like a father is the head of a home, according to Scripture, the Father in heaven is the head of the Trinity. It's, it's from Him that everything flows. Now that Greek word that is translated as Father, it means Father. People say, when I see that, I think of the characteristics of a Father. That tells us how God the Father is. That's true. But it also means origin. It also means the place of beginning. It means that everything flows from the Father. When we do genealogy, we look at the origin of the children through the Father. We look at those things that way. And, and God is the initiator. God is the source of the plan. He is the source of the idea. He is the source of, from beginning to end, everything that was initiated. That's why we call Him a Father. You say, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, let's look at it this way. My son is adopted. Okay, Kevin is adopted. But adopted children deal with this issue. They want to know their origin. It's, it's, I appreciate you, Dad, what you've done. I appreciate you, Mom. But you know, I know there's something else. I know there's, I really want to know where I've come from. What does that sound like? It sounds a little bit like that longing that God places in all of our hearts, a desire to worship Him, doesn't it? Why? Because He's our origin. And it's like somebody that would go and they would worship an idol. They worship and worship and worship and worship and they seek after things and they're not satisfied and they're always longing knowing there's something else. This doesn't satisfy. The reason it doesn't satisfy is because we've got to go back to our origin. And that origin and where we come from, where we originate from, is from the Father. It's His plan. It's His desire. Now, as you look at your top verse there on your page, you're going to see we're going to start going through these. I'm going to do a lot of reading, but we're going to talk about them too. Jesus was sent by the Father. We're going to talk about levels of authority and submission and how they work together based upon completely and mostly what Jesus said. There are some scriptures in here, what Paul said, but I tried to just focus. This, this is just simply what Jesus talked about. And there's even more. I didn't even go to the Old Testament and pull out all the references of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together in the Old Testament. You know they were still there? They were. And, if, and I didn't go through all the, the epistles and, and discuss all the names of, of the Spirit and all these different things throughout there. There's tons and tons of stuff. So I'm just basically focusing on what, uh, what Jesus has said and maybe a few others I draw from. So, Jesus was sent by the Father. John 1.14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, God is the originator and He is the initiator of sending Jesus for us and for our salvation. The Father. That's why it was so important that Jesus said, I want you to see the Father. I'm showing you the Father. Jesus was always pointing toward the Father. It was important for us to know our origin and that the Father initiated it. it the Scripture says that for God so loved the world that He what? He gave. Jesus is a gift, a gift from the Father. Jesus heard from the Father the plan of the Father, agreed to the Father to come and to be that gift, to take on flesh that would be crucified for us. 
He operated in love on this earth, and therefore, since he carries the same characteristics of love from the Father, the Holy Spirit also carries the same characteristic of love from the Father as well. Since the Father sent the Son, the authority of the Son flows from the Father. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Matthew 11, all things have been committed to me by whom? By my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And then John 8, 54 says, Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Do we see this flow from the origin? From the Father giving over to the Son. Now, here's a question. And people will ask this, say, Pastor, if Jesus created all things, if He is God, then why does He need this stuff from the Father? He can operate upon His own, folks, but He will not. He said, I can do nothing without my Father. Why? Because of the purpose of unity and, and, and doing a good work. Now, let me ask you this. There was a, uh, uh, I guess I won't ask you, but there was a quote that said this. Even in nature, anything with two heads is a freak, and something with no head is dead. Hear what I'm saying? Anything with two heads is a freak, and anything with no head is dead. I had a bird flying to my window behind me the other day. It scared me to death, but you know what it did? It hit its head, and it died. It didn't fall off, but the head damage, that, that hurt it. Hurt it bad. The fact of the matter is this. If God is going to truly be one and operate, there must be authority and submission. God the Father, by authority, speaks and sins and gives, and the others will submit to that. Not because they don't have power in themselves, but because they're living within the plan of the Father. The plan that was given. By virtue of unity, He only does as the Father orchestrates. He is the, origin of, the Father is the origin of everything. He simply approves Jesus to have the authority to do as He needs. The Father and the Son work together in perfect unity for one plan and purpose. Here's some examples of that. John 5, 17, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at His work to this very day, and I too am working. What happened there is that Jesus had been ridiculed for healing a man on the Sabbath. And they were accusing Him of doing something that was work. Well, what they mean is, is, is that seventh day that God rested after creation, He continued to work. But His work has always been now extending mercy, which is no work at all. Which is according to the law, is approved, even if you have a donkey or something that falls into a hole, will you not go help the donkey for mercy's sake? So God and Jesus are working, administering mercy consistently now. And you say, Pastor, why are you talking so much about the Father and Jesus administering mercy together? Because there's a triune God we're talking about here that work and, and coexist and, and work consecutively together. This is important. John 10, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So we see Jesus here saying, I'm the one that gives them eternal life, but the Father gives them to me. Can I ask somebody a question? We're not really there yet, but how is it that the Father can give sheep to Jesus? How does the Lord do that? How does the Father do that? He, I heard somebody say it, be confident. 
He draws them. Jeannie, you get, a, you get a prize someday. Someday I'll think of it and bring you a prize. How about that? Hallelujah. Jeannie said, I never won anything in my life. Just kidding. You won Jim, and he's a great prize, Jeannie. <laughs> the Spirit draws, okay? The Father allows the Spirit. It's the Spirit that does the drawing. We're going to get into this. But the Father draws the sheep to, the, to Jesus, and He gives them eternal life. See how they're working together. John 5, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can do only what He sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, to your amazement, He will show Him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. So Jesus makes really clear how the connection is between the two of them. That when you honor one, you're going to honor both. And when you don't honor one, you're not going to honor the other. Folks, the Holy Spirit's not written into that, but if the triune God is one, there's an issue. There's one passage of Scripture that I'm not even ready to cover yet, but that talks about the fact that there, there is no forgiveness for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Talking about attributing the, the works of God as though they were the works of the devil. You remember that scripture? Well, why is there no forgiveness? Listen, when you, when you condemn one, you're condemning all three. You know something else that was said back there in John, 29, uh, John uh, 10, 29. It says, it says that the Father who has given these sheep to him is greater than all. That blows my mind. More than likely what it's talking about is just by authority. Okay? But when I think about the Father being greater than Jesus, it was by Him and through Him that all things were made. Jesus. Jesus was a role in that. This universe that you can't find the end of it, He made it. He spoke it into existence. And the power of the Holy Spirit created it that quick. I know you may think scientifically you disagree with me, but I'll tell you what. Someday when you and I are standing before God, we'll have the discussion. Anyway... That's how big our God is. That's Jesus. And then Jesus says, He's bigger and better than I am. And I think, whoa! How is that possible? One way that we see how this authority works, that God the Father, even at times when Jesus was on the earth, withheld some things from Him. It says this, that no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Jesus said those words. He said, I don't even know the exact date or hour or time that, that, this, that, that uh, all that was going to happen in Matthew 24, what's going to come about. He said, I don't even know that. I guarantee he knows now. But at the time, it was, it was withheld. Why? Because the Father is greater. The Father is the source. The Son is submissive to the will of the Father. He's submissive to the plan of salvation. Matthew 26, we all remember this passage. Going a little farther, He fell with His face down to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from Me, yet not as I will, but as You will. Jesus, in temptation and in pain in His flesh. In Hebrews, it talks about the fact that He learned obedience through His suffering. Jesus had to learn something? No, He had never been tempted to disobey the Father before. He had never been tempted. He had never been tried or pushed like this flesh caused Him to be. But He said, Lord, not my will, Your will be done. Submitted to the Father. Set an example for us that we too should submit to our origin. Amen? 
John 10, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to, take, to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. It was a command from the Father that you will go and you will lay your life down for them. And Jesus said, I will. Again, the Trinity, too, working together in this situation. In, in what He says, He did everything in light of the Father based in, on what He said, John eight twenty eight. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Now we're not there yet, but how is it that Jesus knew what the Father was saying? By the Spirit. The Spirit led and directed Him. That Spirit that descended upon Him as he came out of that water and led him, that spirit directed him and he knew what the Father was saying. We'll get there in a minute. This, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. So he is in obedience to the plan and the ideas. John twelve forty nine. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Oh, that how to say it is so important, isn't it? Oh, if we could just know how to say what the Father sent us to say. 1250, I know that this command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This submission allows the Father, Son, and Spirit to work together for salvation. John 644, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And that was Jeannie's right answer. The Father draws. How does the Father draw? By the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father. Sending the Spirit to draw people to Jesus who He sent. And now we're going to start seeing some stuff about how Jesus sends the Spirit and the Spirit leads Jesus and we're seeing all the three work together. I know you're saying, Pastor, why do you keep talking about Jesus and the Father? I thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit. My problem is, is that people like the Father and people like Jesus and people like to throw out the Holy Spirit. And if the two are working consecutively and cooperatively, why is it that we think that the Spirit is off doing weird things in church services and is of the devil and wrong? The problem is, is that it's not Jesus, it's not the Father, it's not the Holy Spirit that are of the devil doing things wrong. It's people that blame the Holy Spirit. And I'm really sick of that stuff. I'm sure God is too. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I'm sick of it, I'm sure God's saying, Bob, you got no idea how sick of it I am. <laughs> and I don't think God has a southern accent, but sometimes I think he should have a southern accent. <laughs> The Holy Spirit works in submission to the Father and to Jesus. The Spirit is sent from the Father by the request of Jesus. Matthew 3.11 I baptize you with water, coming from John the Baptist saying this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We just sang about that today, didn't we? Fire fall down. Father, come and baptize us. Holy Spirit, come baptize us. The Spirit that has been sent is sent and is now sent and is available. All we have to do is respond to that baptism. Available to us. You say, Pastor, Jesus wasn't in the upper room with them, so how could He be the baptizer? Well, John 14. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus said, I'm going to come back to you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are what? They are one. And He said, I'm going to come back to you, 
But I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to ask Him to send the Holy Spirit, which was the plan all along, so Jesus knew it was going to happen. It's the plan from the very beginning. When God was telling through the prophets, I'm going to write my laws on your hearts, how do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen through the working of the Holy Spirit. It was the plan from the very beginning when the temple was filled with the presence of God and the temple was the form of us and who we are, folks. From the very beginning, it's what God's wanted. Jesus knew if I go right now, I'm going to leave and I'm going to tell the Father and He's going to complete His plan and He's going to send the Holy Spirit to you. But He said, I will, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come back. I'll, I'll return to you. He's coming, but it's the Spirit of Christ that's coming to dwell and to bring comfort. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. But I tell you the truth in John 16, it is for you, your good, that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Everybody say this to me. Say, it's for my own good. It's for your own good. It's, y'all, oh, it's for your own good. Everybody loves to hear about the stories of Jesus. And they forget about the power how it happened. They forget about that which empowered Him. That which is made available to us. And Jesus said, it's better for me to go away so that you can have the Holy Spirit who is not confined by natural flesh to a little region outside of Jerusalem. He can cover this whole earth just as He did one other time and He hovered above the water. This time He's going to hover in your heart. You see, it's, it's for our good, folks. This, this, this fear of the Holy Spirit, it happens because people have done wrong things and have said wrong things and have made up stuff that's not real and they, and they faked it to where people now come in and they say, I don't think this is good for me at all. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to say it anyway, Lord. People sit in pews and the purpose for the Holy Spirit for us, folks, is to empower us to be His witnesses. That's it. But, but people bark like dogs. You know, it's not that thing what you're looking for on YouTube. If you go home and punch in Holy Spirit on YouTube, you're going to find a lot of crazy stuff on there. Seriously, people, pastor, a pastor barking like a dog with his wife leading him around on a leash singing, where he leads, I will follow. And it was in a church service, a Pentecostal church service nonetheless. See, listen, that stuff like that, people sit in the pews and they don't think that the Holy Spirit's good for them. Jesus said, I'm going away and it's good for you that I go away so that I can send the Spirit to you. But people are sitting there saying, I just want Jesus back. This is weird. I don't think I want this. Come in here and I sit in my pew, sound mind, respectable in the society, I've got myself together, I'm responsible and got things together, and you're telling me that i got to go up there and bark like a dog? Or be spat upon, or pushed over, or breathed on and blown on, or slapped in the face like happened to me a few weeks ago? At an altar call? Not here. If that happened here, I'd lay somebody out. I am not completely redeemed yet. <laughs> My flesh sometimes reacts. I, I, uh, we, after the incident of the slapping, I was talking to some people and, and uh, we were discussing. They said, you know, what if something like that happened at our church? Well, first of all, I guard our pulpit well enough that that ain't going to happen at our church. Secondly, if it does happen at our church, what would you do, pastor? I said, well, I would go over and I would grab the evangelist and say, hey, come over here. Let's talk for a second. 
You push one more person, spit on one person, slap one person, push over somebody, you and I are going to stop this service and you're going home. And they looked at me and said, would you really do that? And April said, I've seen him do it. <laughs> Why? Why is that? Because, listen, this is not about an activity. This is about a triune God. This is about a Holy Spirit that can be trusted, a Holy Spirit that's got the same characteristics and natures of God. When we start seeing things acted out that don't have the nature of God and it's done supposedly in the Spirit, i got a problem. People claiming that it's in the Holy Spirit, done in the Spirit when it's done in the flesh or if it's demonic. Oh, pastor, you cannot. This is why stuff gets out of hand in churches because pastors are afraid to address things that are done off and things that are done wrong out of the fear that people are going to accuse them of speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I want to encourage everybody in here, you're not going to speak blasphemy against the Holy Spirit as long as you stick to the Word of God. You know what I never saw happen? I never once saw anybody bark like a dog in the Bible. If they did, they cast the demon out of it. Amen? I didn't see a whole lot of people shaking on the ground, foaming at the mouth. Usually, Jesus would cast the demon out of the child that was causing that, that uh, reaction. Amen? You all remember that story? When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, He does not remove our minds. Amen? He doesn't. He carries the nature of God to benefit us. It is good for us that the Lord, that Jesus would go away and send the counselor. It's, it's for our good. I'm way off my notes. And you all know it too because you've got them in front of you. <laughs> he, he operates in submission to the Father and to Jesus, speaking only what he hears. Listen to this, John 15. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. The cool thing is this, folks, that God will guide us by the Holy Spirit and it flows from who he is. So when it starts flowing into things that don't reflect who God is, I can guarantee you it's not the Holy Spirit. When the words coming out of our mouths do not reflect the nature, and, uh, the nature of, of God, His love, His patience, His peace, if it's not the fruit of the Spirit coming out of our mouth, I guarantee you it's fruitless words of our flesh. And in a worst case scenario, it's actually demonic. Folks, this Spirit that we're talking about will only speak what He hears from the Father. Here's the thing, pastor, I don't know if I want to speak in tongues. I'm not asking you to speak in tongues. I'm, I'm asking you to figure out who the Spirit is. Find out who God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are and allow them to do whatever they want with you and you'll probably end up speaking in tongues, but you're going to find out, hey, this is kind of cool. And you're not going to be made a spectacle of yourself. It's not like you're going to be walking in the house. Well, I'm at the grocery store and all of a sudden, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in the line and the spirit's like, boom, hey, hey, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to get bread and milk and everybody's going, what just happened over there? <laughs> you know, it's not an out of control thing. He speaks to us and then we speak to others. If I can trust God with a language that I don't understand, how much more can I trust him with my English? We're called to be his witnesses, and that's the purpose of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. 
John 14, 26, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. John 20, 22, And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is hearing, he's speaking, and he's giving this Holy Spirit of God. Jesus' ministry was a Holy Spirit-filled ministry. And you see that first of all. Jesus' incarnation came through the working of the Spirit. Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Is Jesus, was Jesus scary and odd? John the Baptist was. <laughs> camel hair and eating locust and honey. Look at that guy. Look at that guy over there. What do you say? Jesus, though, he just came like a normal guy. He wasn't scary, but you know what? His, his birth wasn't scary either. His, his incarnation wasn't scary. Mary was just simply overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and by the power of God. The incarnation was developed inside of her. It wasn't some kind of a weird, strange phenomenon. God simply created, created a body for Jesus to have because he became flesh. He always was, but he became something that he wasn't before. He became flesh, so that incarnation took place. It wasn't something weird. It was spirit-filled, and it was powerful, and the fruit of what happened there was Jesus' ministry not powerful. Was Jesus pretty cool, powerfully speaking? I would say most definitely. He was led by and empowered by the Spirit. Luke 4, 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Now this is following immediately after the Spirit descends upon him. He's baptized, he's raised up, Spirit descends, and immediately the Spirit begins to lead. Wait a second, Pastor. I thought that, that Jesus was in submission to the Father, and so now he's in submission to the Holy Spirit. Does that mean he's less? Absolutely not. It means that God set up a plan for us. And God showed us a picture of the fact that Jesus, even though he didn't have to be led by the Spirit, was led by the Spirit. Why? Because you and I, the purpose and plan has always been that you and I would be led by the Spirit. God's good, isn't he? All the time? And all the time? Yeah. He set this up for us to see that Jesus could be led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which he was challenged, he was tempted, and then he returned what? In 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. Can I tell you something? If, if, if being filled with the Spirit of God was important for Jesus' ministry, is it important for ours? <laughs> Most people see the problem is they don't see the power of the ministry being in the Holy Spirit. They see, I have to speak in tongues, and that freaks them out. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus was full of the Spirit, and then he went, and then his ministry obviously was very, very effective. He came back in power. The source of strength that helped Jesus to overcome the world, to overcome death, to overcome the grave, uh, came from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was the one that raised Jesus from the grave. Excuse me. Breakfast. See, it's almost lunchtime. Why is my breakfast still coming up? He is the one. He is the one that raised Christ. In one of the epistles, I don't even remember who it was now. I think it might have been one of Paul's where he's talking about the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. 
This, this spirit that we're talking about is powerful in Romans 8 and 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this spirit who lives in you. That is right there in Romans 8. That's who said it. it was Paul. Anyway, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he gives up his spirit, his life, the spirit goes boom, blows out of the, 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 the holy place and rips the curtain. And there was such a violent earthquake, just a shudder of power, that bodies of men came to life and came in town and began to testify about what? Myself? Look at the great things I've done. I've come out of the grave. No, they begin to talk about Jesus. Jesus. Why? Because the Spirit's natural response is to cause us to speak and to glorify the Father and the Son. Hear what I'm saying. As you look through all this, just forget about the clock. Okay, with me? We got started late because Devin had to go too long with worship. <laughs> this, 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 this glorification, as we've read through these scriptures, I've hoped, I hope you've caught this, that Jesus said, I don't glorify myself. The Father glorifies me. But who was Jesus trying to glorify all the time? The Father. Now, who does the Spirit glorify? Jesus, the Father. You want to know something really cool about the Holy Trinity? It's full of humility. The Trinity is full of humility. You say, how do you say that? Because none of them glorify themselves. They all glorify each other. That's why when somebody speaks in a message or speaks in a prophetic word or utterance and it's a self-glorification... The Lord told me this about me and I'm wonderful. Seldom is it ever from God. Usually you can tell the source, hear me what I'm saying, this is totally off my notes, this is spirit led right here. Usually you can tell the source of a word based on who it glorifies. If it glorifies the flesh, it's of the flesh. If it glorifies the enemy, it's of the enemy. If it glorifies God, it's come through his spirit back to him. Isn't this good? This is good, isn't it? Oh, this is going to be so much fun. This whole series is going to be awesome. Everything that Jesus did flowed from anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need to hurry. Matthew 12, 18. Isaiah spoke of Jesus. And Jesus reminding them of this. Here is my servant. I guess Matthew reminded him of this, that Jesus fulfilled it. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. So God said, I, you, you're going to know my Messiah because he's going to proclaim justice to the nations and my spirit will be upon him. And Jesus fulfilled this in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, speaking of Jesus, gave it back to the attendant and said, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. If there's any teaching that Jesus ever did, I would have loved to have been in that room. I sense the presence of God just saying it to you right now. Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Why? Because the Spirit was upon him. And that anointing was upon him. He has anointed me. That anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him caused him to be able to proclaim that good news. Caused him to be able to set free those that were bound. To open the blinded eyes. The miraculous things that took place came through that anointing. And today he's made it available to us. John 3.34, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Again, have you ever wondered what you were going to say? God gives the Spirit without limit, and if we want to speak the words of God, we must have the Spirit in us to speak for us. Jesus told the disciples, he said, look, there's going to be, because of my name, you're going to be taken before judges, you're going to be taken before governors, but don't you worry about what you're going to say at that time, for the Spirit of my Father, it says, will speak through you, will speak for you. The Spirit of my Father. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Christ. All of these things. It's not some kind of a weird spirit from out in outer space somewhere like some people like to try to say it is. The miraculous works of Jesus' ministry were a sign of the Spirit in His ministry. John 14. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Proof that the Spirit is upon someone and is working in them is the miracles and the miraculous life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, I'm not seeing anybody get healed because I prayed for them. Can I tell you something? That this, my life right here, is a miracle. The fact that God transformed me is enough to show and to prove us that the Spirit is working. I, I can tell you that, that there have been times where I've laid hands on people and they have been healed. But the greatest testimony that I can give to you, I can't take credit for the healing. I can't take credit for any of it. But the greatest thing that I know and, and I can experience and tell you for sure is that the Spirit of God came upon my life as an individual and changed me through salvation, through an indwelling of His presence, and later through a baptism coming upon me and around me, calling me to do ministry and to do a work for Him. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you may not believe me, but those of you that knew me know that God did something. A miracle. And Jesus said, if you're not going to believe what I tell you, at least look at the miracles and believe that. That's proof enough. It was by the Spirit He drove out demons, Matthew 12, 28, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I, I, I need to stop, but you say, Pastor, why did you just go through all this? I, I, number one, I, I went through this so that you and I and all of us understand as we go into this teaching about the Holy Spirit, I'm not teaching you about tongues. I'm not teaching you how to speak in tongues. I'm so sick and tired of the reference. I mean, we're going to allow people to seek Christ and give them opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, whatever, at some point down the road. But the, the fact of the matter is this. It's not about me speaking in tongues. It's about me obeying the Lord, being one with Him. As Jesus prayed over us, Oh, Father, that they would be in me as I am in you and that we are all in this together. And he goes through this long prayer. That's the desire of it. Folks, you cannot love the Father, love the Son, and, and, and wad up the Holy Spirit and throw them away. When you get one, you get all three. And instead of being confused about who he is, let's just find out who he is. People say, Pastor, you know, you have a problem with your denomination. I said, what's the problem with your denomination? You guys over, you overemphasize the Holy Spirit. Maybe we're just trying to make up for what you don't do. I don't know what's going on. I'm not trying to overemphasize. I'm trying to get us to know who he is. Because, let's be honest, there's been way too many mistakes made. 
Not so much here. There's not been a bunch of kooky stuff here, crazy stuff, but, but everybody, knows, everybody knows somebody, right? And if you don't believe me, go in the community and invite somebody to our church. Somebody's going, that's Pentecostal church, ain't it? Has anybody had that happen to you? Just seriously, with, with a hand. Say, I'm not coming to that church. That's one of them crazy tongue-talking churches. We're not a tongue-talking church. We speak English. <laughs> then we get them in here and we hold them down and speak in tongues over them. <laughs> I understand the fear and I understand the confusion. Here's, here's why I understand the fear and the confusion. Because it's, it is uneasy. The, the work, one of the things that we're going to talk about in weeks to come is that one of the things, one of the roles, five roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict. Amen? So that he will convict. And conviction is hard for people to set through. And people want to find a church where they're not convicted. And I can tell you, I'm not going to say speak for every one of them, but I can tell you a lot of those churches where you can blend in and feel comfortable, the Holy Spirit ain't welcome, he ain't been there in years. There ain't no conviction. But God wants to place the Spirit upon our lives. We must know, number one, that He's part of the Trinity. He comes from the Father. He's good. He's, he's patient. There's joy in the Spirit. There's peace in the Spirit. There's love in the Spirit. There's all of these things. Just as we see Christ, so the Spirit brings through our lives the same thing. That's how we're transformed and changed, to be like Him. He speaks to our hearts and minds. He leads us, okay? It's a welcoming thing. That's a wonderful thing. We should always be open to that. The other thing is, is ultimately that, that the purpose of, of this teaching is, I, I want to ask you a question. How many of you really believe the Great Commission is for today? Raise your hand if you really believe this. Say, Pastor, I really believe the Great Commission to go out and to seek and save that which is lost, to go out and to make disciples. If I believe that's real today, then what I'm talking to you about is exactly what Jesus told his disciples in, in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The plan of God was that we would join in his mission as Christ did, okay? To, to do what God the Father told him to do, to speak what God the Father told him to speak, to do the works that God the Father empowered him to do, and folks, the, the, the connecting factor to that is allowing the Spirit of God to work through our lives. This is not about, again, rolling on the floor, barking like dogs or anything. This is about becoming a witness. If I can trust Him enough uh, to allow myself to speak a language I don't understand or know, how much more trust will I have for my lips and my mouth to be used for Him when I speak English? You see, that's the plan and purpose for God is that we would be fully submitted and surrendered to His will. And people have, have, have super spiritualized this, have made it spooky. Ooh. If you don't believe me, go to camp. <laughs> you know, night one, is, night one is salvation night, and night two is, is whatever for the people that didn't get saved the first night. And then night three is Holy Spirit night. Well, you come in Holy Spirit night, the lights are down, and oh, things are off the chain tonight, yo. Every youth pastor, it's up there. It's going to be off the hook tonight. It's Holy Spirit night. It's off the chain, yo. Dude, Holy Spirit is off the chain every day. He was off the chain on Monday when he saved souls. He was off the chain on Tuesday for the latecomers. Quit making it spooky. He's off the chain every day. God is good, man. And he's going to work through his spirit. I messed you up, didn't I? He's going to work through his spirit to do something powerful. And that power can happen in your car, can happen in your house, can happen in your prayer closet. It can happen when you're up at 3 o'clock in the morning feeding that baby 
rocking in the chair, mamas, can happen. Do you know that, I don't know why I'm talking still. Why am I still talking, Lord? If anybody falls out of the window and dies, will you raise them to life like you did Eutychus with Paul when, they, when he preached too long? I, I remember there were a few times early on in Alyssa's life that I held her and fed her bottles at night. You know, you talk about intimacy and just rocking and praying over their life. I talk about being filled with the Spirit and laying hands on that baby when nobody's around looking at you and you're thinking, well, people think I'm crazy. Lord Jesus, fill this little baby with your presence. And the little baby grows up full of his presence. The little baby has to make a decision for itself, amen? amen? Pursue him, but God is so precious at every moment. It doesn't have to be up here with a pastor slapping you. Better not be up here with a pastor slapping you. <laughs> but God wants to work. Now, our purpose for this is that. We want to become better witnesses for him. And so we're learning about it. So this morning, we're done. I'm not having an altar call. I'm not doing, oh, pastor, we have to have altar calls. No, we don't. This morning was a teaching. I will simply, here's our altar call. You say, pastor, I'm willing to, I, I want to learn more about the Holy Spirit. You say, am I, am I, seriously, raise your hand. Say, I want to know more. I do want to know more. I want to understand more. So, so here's what I want you to do. Here, here's your homework assignment. I want you to go home. Please go home. Don't stay here because I ain't staying here. <laughs> Number two, go home first. This week, make it your prayer, part of your prayer. If you don't do this regularly, you may not be baptized. That's fine. That's not what we're looking. We're not looking for tongues. Just simply say, Lord, allow me to be led by your spirit today as Jesus was. Number one, you've got to be saved to do that. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you've got to surrender yourself to him. His spirit comes to be with you at that moment. Secondly, say, Lord, lead me today. Lead my words. Lead my actions Help me to send glory back to you for other people. Help me not to be condemning, but help me to be encouraging to say, look how big my origin, my father is. This is who I came from. You did too. Spirit, lead me. Father, we just thank you for this day. And God, that's our prayer this week.